What would you call a group of lying, cheating, greedy, covetous, lustful, porn-watching, tax-dodging, racist, jealous, judgmental, lonely, angry people? Y'all are going, oh my goodness, this is so weird. Who... Uh, who eat too much, drink too much, smoke too much, medicate too much, worry too much, spend too much, but who gather because they believe Jesus is the light of the world and they need more light. What would you call that group? Yeah, uh, we would just call it the church. <laughs> uh, my, my apologies if your particular brand of sin was left off of that list. Probably was. But that's the church. I've been doing, uh, I've been working in churches for 30 years. I've worked in three churches in 30 years. I am so old. It's so sad. Well, the one statement that I hear over and over and over, specifically about church, and I hear this all the time, heard it this morning, um, appreciate that, not so much, but here's what I hear a lot. I hear a lot, well, the church ought to, the church ought to stop, the church needs to whatever you got with you. And then I hear this one a lot. Church needs to take a stand. Needs to take a stand against those. Church ought to take a stand. And it took me a while to figure it out because not only am I old, but I'm slow. But what, what they're really saying when they say that is the church ought to do things my way and the church needs to take my stand. <laughs> Everybody feeling awkward yet? Yeah. And what you're going to learn real quick is, if you're new to church, is that the church is not a place where we all agree on everything. In fact, listen, if you're honest, you came in this building, and right now in your mind, you've got some the church ought to and the church needs to thoughts in your brain, and that's totally normal. We all do. Your, the church ought to, the church needs to, are probably the exact opposite, you ought to's, church ought to's, church needs to, of the person sitting on your own. Just like within arm's reach, there is somebody sitting around you that would hear your list of the church needs to, the church ought, ought to, and go, well, no, that's dumb. The church needs to and the church ought to, and it'd be the exact opposite of what you're thinking. So what you're going to figure out real quick if you're new to church is that it's not a place where we gather to agree on everything. But we do need to agree on a couple things. Um, we don't agree on everything, but we do need to agree on a couple of things. The church is just a gathering of messed up people like me, with different backgrounds, different perspectives, who can't agree on everything, but this is my need to now. But we need to agree on two things. We don't, <laughs> but we need to. We need to agree that God sent his son Jesus to forgive us and give us new life. About six of us agree on that. Isn't that crazy? There's 200 of us in here, and six of us can agree. Can we agree on that? Anybody agree with this statement? Amen. Okay, not even all of us. Some of you are like, I ain't raising my hand for that. Some of you, if I said today is Sunday, you would say, no, it's not, because <clears throat> it's your job to disagree with whatever the preacher says. I understand. <laughs> we got to agree on that, though, guys. We have to agree that Jesus came here to forgive us and to give us a new life. And we need to agree that Jesus extended something amazing to us and 
Now we are responsible to extend that same thing to each other and to people who are not gathered with us. You might want to guess what that, that, that one amazing thing is. Anybody? It's grace. It's grace. And grace is amazing. Think of grace like oil in a machine. The reason you put oil in a machine is because that machine is made up of parts that are not like each other, but they have to work together. And the reason um, you, you, you run your car engine with oil in it is because if you don't, those parts that aren't alike create friction. And that friction creates heat. And eventually, if you don't have oil in that machine, the friction will destroy everything. So grace allows people who are different than each other to work together without destroying each other. You know, grace is what allows you and all of your, the church ought to, the church needs to, to work with her who sits over here, who the church ought to and the church needs to is totally different than yours. But it's, it's so much deeper than just working together without destroying each other. Grace allows people who are not like each other to love each other. And it's an amazing thing when it's done right. Grace is amazing. God invented grace. God initiated grace. God invited you to himself through grace. And then he says, now, now that you've got some grace, go give it to other people. Grace is amazing. Grace, though, is just a word until you've experienced it. If you've experienced grace, you know grace is amazing, right? But you also know that grace can only be experienced in the context of a relationship. There is no need for grace outside of relationship. That's why Jesus had to come here. The reason Jesus had to show up was to show us what grace is and what it can do. And when grace was on display in the life of Jesus, grace was amazing, unbelievable, scandalous, and a little bit awkward, but mostly amazing. God's amazing grace to you is an invitation for you to be amazing too. It's not just for you to get some. It's an opportunity for you to give some. And when you do, you are more and most like God because you give grace or when you give grace to people who don't deserve it. So it makes grace amazing. It's a problem though, right? Huge problem with grace. None of us, let's take that back, most of us don't struggle receiving grace. At first, maybe if you've got a whole lot of pride in who you are and what you've done, you might struggle to receive it. But most of us sitting here today would say, give me some more. I, I like grace. I am grateful for grace. Give me mo. give me mo. We want some mo. Give me grace. I'm happy to take grace. I love grace. The problem is giving grace. It's so awkward to give grace. It's sometimes so difficult to give grace, especially to certain people, especially to certain kinds of people. It's awkward. It's difficult to extend grace. 
And in this scripture we're going to look at today, okay, in this scripture that we're going to look at today, Jesus tells us exactly why grace is so difficult to extend by asking us this huge question. And I just want to say up front, if you are not a Jesus follower, okay, if you do not follow Jesus, you do not have to answer this question because this question is not for you. But if you are a Jesus follower, you don't get to opt out of this question. If you are a Jesus follower, there is no exemption from this question. It's not like at home group when you, um, when you get all the questions and you just don't answer the first three or four because you know they get tougher as they go, so you just be quiet. You don't get to do that with this question Jesus is about to ask. This question is so big. Some of you, if you're a church person, you've heard this question a thousand times, and I'm going to read it. And in your brain, your brain's just kind of going to click off and your eyes are going to glaze over because you've heard it so often that it's lost its power. You've heard this question so many times, if you're a church person, that if you're not careful, this question is just one more thing church people say. It's just one more thing I heard about at church. And you file it away and you don't let it sink in. You don't let it develop the conviction uh, that Jesus had in mind when he asked this question. This is a huge question if you struggle to give grace. And when Jesus asked this big question, okay, it was not a crowd pleaser. It was a crowd silencer. When Jesus first asked this question, it was offensive. It was abrasive. You're going to think, that's rude when you hear this question. When Jesus first asked this question, it was a powder keg Question. When he asked this question, the results of this question really ended up in people wanting to kill him. This question that Jesus is about to ask for those of us who follow him is a question that we have got to wrestle with, come up with a good answer for. It's This question is the reason that we struggle to extend grace. Ask the question already. <laughs> Here it is. Here's the question. Jesus, Listen, I'm not asking this question, okay? Don't, don't be mad because we're going to read this question together. This question comes from Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. Are you ready for the question? Yeah, you're not. <laughs> you're not ready. You're not ready for this question. Neither were the people that heard it the first time. Here's the question. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own? just going to let that sit there for a little bit because that needs to simmer a little bit. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? Isn't that rude? <laughs> that is such a rude question, Jesus. That's a scandalous question. That's an offensive question. And it's a question if you follow Jesus, you have to answer. And if you're like most of us, you have the same answer that maybe I have. Well, Jesus, that's not really a speck. <laughs> yeah, that's cute. It's cute saying, Jesus, um, but that's not a speck. They're Democrats. <laughs> that is not a speck. They're Republicans. Not as much laughter on that one. I didn't think there would be. That's not really a speck, Jesus. That's a cute little saying you got, but that's not really a speck. She's a homewrecker. That's not really a speck. He abandoned us. That's not really a speck. 
She's a thief and a liar. It's not really a speck. Thanks, thanks for the question, Jesus, but what you don't understand, let me help you, uh, Jesus, is that's not really a speck in their eye. And the other answer is, <laughs> I don't really have a plank. I mean, that's not really a plank sticking out of my eye, Jesus. I appreciate the, you know, the inference there, but I don't really have a plank. I'm just capable of seeing things that other people aren't capable of seeing. I am the one who knows what's really going on here. I am the one who sees things clearly enough. I am the one who knows how things really work. And anybody in this family knows what's going on, it's me. So it's not really a plank. It's not really a speck. It's not really a plank. There's no way that I am influenced by my upbringing, my environment, my experiences, my education, my health, my success, my failure, uh, my insecurities, my opportunities, my IQ and my EQ. If you don't know what those are, that's okay. Uh, Other people might be influenced by all that, but not me. Other people might have planks, but not me. (laughs) How can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eyes when all the time there's a plank in your own? And while we're asking and while, while we're saying, listen, brother, with the speck in your eye, you ought to and you need to and you should and here's, here's the plan and here's what you're going to do. While we're saying that, Jesus is saying, you hypocrite. You hypocrite. And if you're a not a Jesus follower, you're like, yeah, it's about time we talk about that. <laughs> all these Jesus people receiving all that grace. Walking around with boards sticking out of their eye, trying to help me with the dust in mine. Jesus says, you, you you hypocrite. Jesus sees your upbringing, your environment, your experiences, your education, your health, your success, your failure, your insecurities, your opportunities, your IQ, your EQ, and he gives you grace anyway. Jesus took all of that into account when he considered you. Okay, He didn't leave any of that out. The Bible says Jesus was full of truth and grace. So he knows the whole truth about you. He knows why you think the way you think. He knows why you talk the way you talk. He knows why you treat people the way you treat people. And he took all of that into account. Your successes, your failures, your upbringing, your lack of education, your education, your failures, all of that. He took all of that into consideration and he said, you know what? I I love you anyway and I'm giving you grace anyway. You, You don't deserve this. Maybe you're not expecting this, but I'm giving it to you anyway. I offer you grace in spite of everything that you are because... That's what grace does. That's what grace is. Paul would later say in the book of Romans, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And if you look at the Greek language, the verbs that Paul uses, it's very evident that Paul had himself in mind when he wrote this statement. If you look at the original language, a better translation of this is, While I was a sinner sinning, Jesus died for my sin. 
While I was a sinner sinning, Jesus died for my sin. And you can think of it like this, that that God wanted to show you how much he loved you. So here's what he did. He knew in advance all the sins that you would ever commit and then confess and then commit and then confess and then commit again and then confess again and then commit again and then confess again. He knew all of that in advance but offered you grace anyway. Isn't that amazing? No? I find that to be amazing because I know me better than you know me. And the fact that Jesus would look at me and say, you know, Jason, I knew you long before you were you. And I knew all the sins you would commit and then confess and then commit and then confess. And I knew you could never deserve it. So I gave you grace anyway. It's amazing. It's amazing. See, God saw your whole story. He gave you something you did not deserve, and then he said, do for others what I did for you. God took your whole story into account. He took it all under consideration, and then he said, you don't deserve this, but I'm giving you grace anyway. Now that you've got grace, go give it to people who don't have grace. It's amazing. We have a calling. If you follow Jesus, you have a calling to do for others what Jesus did for you. And here's what worries me about some of you today. Some of you are going to go home and you're going to hear the exact opposite of what we're talking about. (laughs) You're going to hear something totally different. Please don't hear, I need to be a better person. I'm going to go home and I'm going to be nicer to her. I'm going to try real hard. Please don't, don't hear any of that. I did not say any of that, and Jesus certainly did not say any of that. What Jesus said was, why are you so focused on their speck of dust? You've got a log sticking out of your eye, you hypocrite. First, before you go home and try to do better, before you go home and try harder, before you go home and I want to be a nicer person, Before you do anything else, Jesus said, take that plank out of your eye. (laughs) Before you talk to her about her speck of dust that you think is not really a speck of dust, it's something much bigger. Before you do that, take that giant log out of your eye, which you think really isn't a log, but you have to deal with that first. First, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck From your brother's eye. Bottom line. Planks block grace. Your plank is blocking grace. Planks block grace. So my question for all of us today is, got planks? (laughs) The rest of you are like, nope, I'm the only one in here. Don't have a plank. <laughs> Got planks. Here's what I've discovered. It's fa- I've found this to be true about me over and over and over again. I hate to admit this, but it's very, very true. The more aware I am of all the work that God has yet to do on me, the, the more I look into the mirror of God's word and apply it to me, 
The, the, the more I compare myself to Jesus, not you, the more aware I am of all the work that God has to do on me, the less aware I am of all the work God has to do on you, the less bothered I am, the less offended I am. The more aware of all the work God has to do on me I become, the less offended I am on all the work God has to do on you. Grace is amazing because Jesus gave it to me in spite of me. Grace is amazing because he gives it to you in spite of you. Grace is amazing because God was more brokenhearted over your sin than angry about your sin. Your sin broke God's heart more than it made him mad. That's what makes grace so amazing. Can we talk about the one exception in the New Testament? There's one exception. There's one big exception. And in fact, if you look at the New Testament, there was one group of people that Jesus always had conflict with. Across the board, from the beginning to the end of his life, Jesus had conflict and this exception with one group of people. It was a group of people who represented in the name of his father, graceless religion. Jesus was always in conflict with this group of people who had a graceless system of religion. This graceless system, their planks made it impossible for them to see themselves the way God saw them. Their planks made it impossible for them to see other people the way God saw other people. Their planks made them experts at dumbing down the law of God to such a degree that they were not capable of seeing how much they needed grace. And you don't want to be one of those people. <laughs> you do not want to be in that group of people. Jesus, it says in the book of John, chapter 1, Jesus was full of grace and truth. Jesus was full of grace and full of truth. And every time he bumped into a sinner, both of those came out of him. Both grace and truth came out. Anytime he was shaken up by a question, shaken up by the world, when Jesus was shaken, truth and grace came out because Jesus was full of grace and truth. What are you full of? Not your spouse, not your spouse, not your spouse. Not your kid, not your kid. Not that group, not those people. What are you full of? When you bump in to a sinner like you, what comes out? When you get shaken, what comes out? See, what you're full of is what comes out. How about us, West Maine? What are we full of? Well, we're, we're full of whatever you're full of. <laughs> what are we full of? When, when people walk in this building, bump into sinners like us, what spills out of us? When, more importantly, okay, I'm not impressed with what comes out of us in this building because we're all playing games, but what happens when we see each other at the Walmart? Uh-oh is right. 
What happens when the cashier gets your thing messed up? What happens when the waitress is slow? What comes out? What comes out of you? What are you full of? The church is most appealing when grace is most apparent. You look at that first church, the prototype church, the most apparent thing about them was that they were full of grace. They loved to give grace. Let me say this. If you still feel superior superior to sinners like you, you still got a lot of work to do on you. If you still feel superior to sinners like you, you got work to do on you. If you still feel like this really isn't a log, this isn't a plank, this is this is more like a toothpick, really. If you still feel superior to other sinners like you, you got work to do on you. Are you willing today to remove a plank? Maybe maybe let's back that question up. Let me back that up. Are you willing today to even consider that you've got a plank? Are you willing today to consider that Jesus might know what he's talking about? And that while you're trying to fix everybody else, the person you got to work on first is you. Got planks? One more question, then I'll be done. What if grace from you could change somebody else's life? What if you, just offering grace to people who don't deserve it and probably don't expect it from you, what if that one act, that one generous moment changed them? Because it could. Grace is awkward and grace is amazing, but only when you step into your opportunity to be amazing too. The title of this series is The the Awkward Answer for Almost Everything. The Awkward Answer for Almost Everything is Grace. So let's do it. Let's just be graceful people. Let's offer grace.